Good to see you in the Lord's house today on this winter day. And uh, hope you're staying warm. And uh, some people may be enjoying the fact that it's not so snowy. It's going to be a little snowy today, I guess. And, uh, but some people love the snow. Well, if you had a driveway like mine, it goes up and uh, you wouldn't really be happy about the snow all the time. But I am enjoying my new toy, which is a snowblower, which is no good when it's slushy. And I think a lot of people would testify to that. Good to be with you today. Good to see Heidi with us today. And we want you all to feel welcome. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. <laughs> Thank you for all the blessings we can look back on this week and we can see the blessings you provided. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Help us as we look into the word today. Help us in our Sunday school hour in every classroom today. Help every teacher. Help our pastors. Give us a good Lord's day and help us as we look forward to the week ahead. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, our lesson, continuing our lessons in uh, studies in Romans. I love the book of Romans. And the lesson today is victorious living. The lesson is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, is the first verse. The key verse is from John, 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And uh, there are many people who need to know how and why to overcome the world, the world, the flow of the world. He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God, they are the ones. First John 5, 5, the central truth is we can have victory over sin through Christ's grace. Amen. Charles R. Milhuff wrote, the greatest victories in life cost something. The reason many have never enjoyed the blessings of victory is because they have never paid for it. Now, you don't pay for Christianity, you don't pay for salvation, you don't earn it, but you do have to give yourself to the Lord. There's not victory without a battle. The greater the conflict, the greater the victory. Victory doesn't come by committing 99% to God. And victory over sin is gained by wholehearted dependence on God. Victorious living is our subject today. Faith is the victory, number 446. Let's sing that together. Faith is the victory, number 446. Ha, ha, ha. 
Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for your singing, everybody. Amen. <clears throat> Birthdays and anniversaries. Beverly Lytle, Reverend Brian Spangler. Today is his birthday, and Beverly's birthday is today. Happy birthday to you. And what did you say here in your little pastor's pen? Did you say you were 40 years old here? You're somewhere here, right? Anyway, no. 40 years in the ministry, I'm sorry. Anyway, you wouldn't mind being 40 years old. Neither would I be. Yes, siree. Okay, good. Yeah. One doctor I had one time said getting old's for the birds. Well, anyway. Rebecca Dutry, Michaela Woolsey, Ed Schultz, Evan Steen, Dallas and Jamie Beachel. Happy anniversary. Coming up there and Alan Kaler, okay. Announcements. The big announcement right now is Central Pennsylvania Youth Convention, January 24 to 28, being held at Beavertown. And many, many young people from all over the country come to the Central Pennsylvania Youth Convention. Today's prayer that we want a church we're praying for is uh, the Northampton God's Missionary Church. <clears throat> Let's be praying for our teacher this morning, Mike Mason, and all the teachers this morning. Any special requests you want to make out loud this morning before we go to prayer? Anna Stolfus. Yes, Anna Stolfus. Let's keep remembering Anna. She'll have a good, complete, solid recovery. Let's keep remembering those who are not well in body, fighting illnesses and so forth, many physical needs. So keep remembering Doris. Keep remembering my sister Mary, who's going to have knee surgery in April. So, and she's in a nursing home right now. Um, many needs. Keep remembering Anna, of course, too. Yes, yes. Craig Berkey, Naomi Aron, Dorothy Aron, many names back here. And remember our shut-ins and other needs. Remember our ministry to the young people, the children on Sunday evenings. Unspoken requests, many hands. God knows all about them. Let's all stand together and just pray together this morning. We thank you, Lord, for we have the privilege to come before you and bring our petitions to you in prayer. And we pray, Lord, you'll be close to each one of us. <coughs> Undertake for each one of these prayer requests this morning. Continue to be with those who are not well in body. They need your touch. They need your grace. They need your help. Continue to be with Anna today. Give her a complete, full, strong recovery. We pray, Lord, you'll be with Mike this morning as he presents the lesson. And indeed, every teacher in every classroom, from the littlest kindergarten age children all the way up to this class here in the sanctuary, we pray you'll be with us, Lord, and help us to be good learners today. 
Help us to be good learners and get from your word the food, the bread that we need for our souls. We pray, Lord, you'll be with each one. Help in every situation that is acknowledged with an upraised hand this morning. You know every person involved. You know every situation. You know every detail. And Lord, of all of these details, you are abundantly able to undertake and help in each one of these situations, Lord, this morning. Be with our pastors today. Be with them throughout the weeks ahead. Help with the planning for our church. Help with the young people. Uh, help with the children's ministry on Sunday evenings. Help with the uh, transportation and the new van that we need to get. We pray, oh God, you'll be with us in every part of this, every part of our services, every aspect of the ministry of our church. And we ask your gracious help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have the offering at this time, then be praying for Mike as he brings the lesson this morning. that is some of you are getting a little worried that you're going to be able to get home I would say don't worry about it um, because it's going to be on and off like this from what I understand all morning and I don't know how long but they are calling for some significant snow squalls blinding snow squalls off and on um, but I'm not sure that it's going to accumulate according to what I've seen but I'm not sure about that either what a winner I'm going to say it again. I said it, I think, the last time I was here. But when it's winter and cold, bring on the snow. Um, I hate rain in the winter. Just being frank. I, all this rain we received at the end of last week, I was like, wow. Imagine if this was colder and would be all snow, how wonderful it would be. Um, but... Brother Spangler and I have hearts that agree here. Um, just rain in winter is almost criminal, I think. But um, I'm not the one that creates the weather, and we'll thank God for whatever he gives us. I, I believe that's it, yes. Democrats and global warming. <clears throat> right. We'll blame it on that. I don't know. Let's, let's open with a word of prayer, ask the Lord to help us in this lesson today. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for... Uh, the people that are here today, 
the lesson that you've given to us. We pray that you would give us help today. We're going to thank you. We're going to praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We jump into a lesson on Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 16 without having our lesson last week. We missed the theologian Mrs. DeStefano talking about one of the most controversial chapters of the Bible being Romans chapter 7. Um, I was looking forward to hearing her treaties on that. Um, it's interesting because that is without a doubt the introduction to chapter 8. Um, and I'm, I'm going to just simply lay out a few things and tell you right from the beginning. I'm, I'm, I don't say that I have all the answers for all of this, okay? There's a lot of controversy, if, I, if I'm to be honest, on Romans chapter 7 and 8, yea, even within our movement. And I, if I were to guess, probably yea, even within our church. I don't, I don't really know, to be honest, um, but I know enough to say it's probably here. Um, in, in, in different interpretations of, of what Romans chapter 7 means, Romans chapter 8 means. And if I'm to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I agree 100% with anybody. Did I just say it? Yeah, I did. Romans chapter 7, within our movement, typically the take is either that person is saved, but they're not sanctified, or they're not saved yet. One or the other. Can I caution us? And this is this is I know this lesson isn't on seven, but we didn't have it, so I'm just going to talk about it just a wee little bit. If I could caution us, if you are on the side of Romans chapter seven, it is a saved person but not sanctified. May I caution us? Don't cheapen salvation. Smile, it's all right. I'm going to give you an illustration to go with this. And if you don't know what Romans chapter 7 is, the Apostle Paul is, is telling of his struggle, quite honestly, with sin. The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, that I do. I've heard preachers lay out how that is the unsanctified life. I don't know what kind of salvation you got, but when I got saved, I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. Do I need to go crawl in a hole because I said that? I don't think so. He, he wants to do it, but I really don't believe he's talking about an uns a, a, a saved life. He is technically, and this is what I don't think we understand. If we approach this fully hermeneutically for a full biblical interpretation, I think this is what we don't get. He's actually talking about his life as a Pharisee and a Jew. And the bottom line is following just the law of God isn't enough. There is a deeper work that God wants to do. Here's my problem, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying one way or another. I'm just going to tell you my problem that I have with those that have the view that, that, that 
Romans 7 is an unsanctified but saved life. And, and I was talking with a gentleman who, quite honestly, fights holiness. This is quite a while back, quite numbers of years ago. And he was telling me of a church that he was attending way out in the Midwestern states somewhere. I don't remember if it was Illinois or if it may have been even further west. I don't, I don't recall. But he was telling me that he heard a gentleman stand up in the church, a pretty prominent guy in that particular church, who stated in a testimony, well, I know I'm saved, but I'm not sanctified yet. I'm seeking for sanctification. Yesterday I got so mad at my wife, I picked up a table and threw it at the door because I'm not sanctified. This particular fellow who fights holiness looked at me and said, Brother Michael, if that's salvation and not holiness, and I don't want it. And can I tell you, I agree. Because ladies and gentlemen, don't cheapen salvation to elevate sancti entire sanctification. And that's the caution that I want to bring out. I don't think we have to lower entire sanctification to elevate salvation either. Okay? So we have both sides of this. Does that make sense? I hope it does. What I want to do is I want to go back, and it's not in your lesson, and I think we have to do this because the lesson starts out in Romans 8.1, and these first three words, there is therefore. When we approach, when we arrive on this great word, therefore, we have to ask a question. What is that question? What is it there for? <laughs> and we can't answer that question without backing up. So if you'll take your Bibles out, and I would like to back up to Romans chapter 7. And no, we're not going to look at this entire in its entirety, just, just two verses. We're going to begin with verse number 24. So it's not in your lesson leaflet. You have to look it up in a Bible. Looking at Romans 7, verse 24. The Apostle Paul sums up this entire chapter, I believe, in verse 24. And he says, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. This is important as an introduction to 8.1. What is 8.1 there for? Because of Romans 7, 24 and 25. Because the Apostle Paul, when we move forward, what does he say? However, there is therefore now what? No condemnation. To who? 
to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, I was reading the commentary of Adam Clark, and he says that actually in the original manuscripts, some of the original manuscripts that they found, the end of this verse is not there. But they believe it's put there, possibly referring to a little forward in, in, in Romans 8. I'm not against it being there. I don't, you who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I think it's, it's important to the conversation of the entire chapter. However, I want to point several things out. The Apostle Paul makes it abundantly clear the possibility of complete and total victory. Well, I thought at least I'd have one amen. I'll, I'll give you a second shot. You ready? The Apostle Paul makes it completely clear, abundantly clear, that there is the possibility for complete victory. All right, we're, we're, we're slowly waking up. Why? I want you to notice he doesn't say there is therefore later when we're in glory no condemnation. There is a belief out there that you can't have victory until you're glorified in heaven. I believe in the Apostle Paul in, in uh, Brother Caleb taught Romans 6. It was beautiful. Uh, a beautiful lesson, and he backed up to the end of Romans chapter 5, which you need for the beginning of Romans chapter 6. There's victory. But the Apostle Paul reiterates that right here in Romans chapter 8. He doesn't say there's victory later. There's victory sometime coming. No, there's no condemnation when? Now. Ladies and gentlemen, I think one thing ought to be abundantly clear in this lesson. As holiness people, we believe in present possible victory now. Amen. And he says condemnation. This is an interesting word that he uses, isn't it? He's contrasting between Romans chapter 7 verse 25 in which he said, Oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the, the, the law of sin and death? Oh I can't, who, there's now, because I'm in Christ Jesus, no condemnation. Wow. What a great word to use. This is opposed to those, this is in the present life as opposed to those who once again say that this is only possible in eternity to come. It's now. This word is also a synonym for guilt, condemnation. I am not condemned, laden down with guilt from sin. Why? Because I'm in Jesus Christ. Notice it's not because I'm in my own works that I'm doing. By the way, the Apostle Paul talks an awful lot about that in Romans chapter 7. And honestly, it's the problem of Romans chapter 7. He's making an attempt to get victory over sin through following the law. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we will never have victory over sin by following the law. Victory over sin is obtained one way, and we find it right here in Romans 8.1. What is it? In Jesus Christ. Period. If you are trusting anything else, your church membership, your baptism, your communion, the way you dress, nope, it's not going to work. One way to complete and clear and total victory through Jesus Christ. He continues in this verse to say this comes to those who walk after the flesh, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There is also some, a little bit of, uh, of I, I guess you can say controversy as to whether the Apostle Paul here is talking in regards to the sanctified life or is it the life of just the, the saved life? May I mention no matter where you are in your journey, from salvation to mummified, saved, entirely sanctified saint, you better be walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not only to those who are entirely sanctified. It's all of us. When you are saved, you better not be walking according to the flesh. And if you are, I question whether you are saved. Okay? So, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. He's referring back to Romans chapter 6, verse 6 here, when he talks about being enslaved in sin, but because now he is in Jesus Christ, he is set free. Wonderful. Hallelujah. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Here again, all the entirety of Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is literally building this base of him attempting to be free from sin according to the law. Walking, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping everything of the law and it's not working. And he reiterates this. And what's the answer? I love it. Look at the last half of this verse. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns, condemns sin in the flesh. What is the answer? Again, it is Jesus Christ and the work of salvation on the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ shed for us. That's the answer, ladies and gentlemen. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Down in Lebanon, I had a guy that would always come to me, and he, I'd ask him, how you doing? And he'd say, oh, I'm trying not to walk in the flesh, but the flesh overtakes me. No, my answer always was.
Don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. I prefer not to use my words, but the words of Scripture. That way if he says, well, I don't like that, then talk to the Bible. Right? The Apostle Paul gives a contrast between walking with the Spirit and walking after the flesh. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Those that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This is part of the reason why I look and go, huh, the one who was throwing chairs against the, the door and all that, is he minding the flesh or minding the spirit? I, I don't think this is a matter of salvation and sanctification. Quite honestly, quite elementary. You need to go and do your first works over again. There's something better that God has for you. In a work of salvation, there's something better. I, honestly, I think this is why a lot of people within our churches, and I'm talking generally, struggle a lot of times in their spiritual walk. I think sometimes they're seeking for a work in sanctification when they don't even really have the first work. Where did, where did that come from? I'm not sure. But it's truth. Um, the Apostle Paul continues on. So the provision of victorious living is through what? The blood, of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are wondering how to live victorious in your Christian walk, this is the answer. Trust the blood of Jesus By the way, I, I want to make it clear, I'm, I'm not against at all our, our standards. I'm not against being a member of a church at, at all. I'm a member. I'm, I'm a board member here, okay? And yet none of that has anything to do with our work of salvation in us and living victoriously. It's all right. Uh, if that happened, more than likely, bunches of us are going to start getting hammered on phones. So um, there's, I think they're warning of snow squalls, probably, if I'm to guess. Um, and that's all right. So victory comes through Jesus Christ. So the priority of victorious living, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We're moving on into the second section, and the Apostle Paul begins to continue on his contrast of the carnal mind and the flesh and that of walking in the spirit. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God or hateful toward God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh, look, cannot please God. 
By the way, I'd always bring this verse up to the guy that said he was struggling with his flesh. I would simply say that he, they, <laughs> they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's what Romans 8 says. And he'd look at me. It's what it says. By the way, this is actually a great chapter to combat a sinning religion. A lot of good nuggets in here against Calvinism. And I think so, sometimes we kind of debate amongst ourselves within, what's this meaning? Is this talking about sanctification or salvation? And we miss, we miss the points that are in here that are really, really good. By the way, this is another point right here that is interesting. If we say that this is talking about sanctification, then those that are saved are walking according to the flesh. How can you be saved and not please God? Just throwing it out there. I'm not convinced that this is talking about sanctification here. I'm just going to be frank. I think this is, I think there are points where the Apostle Paul brings things in like this, but I think it's talking about simply the life of a Christian. Okay? Um, that's my perspective, walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. I want you to look at this, and is there anything interesting about verse 9 in your lesson? Is there any interest, anything interesting about verse 9 in your lesson? This is what I want you to do. By the way, this is, this, I think there's a, a totally different lesson here. I try to teach this to my kids. I don't say I'm always successful, but I make an attempt. And to my students in college. There's a reason why you should know God's Word. Take your Bible, pull your Bible up and go to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Get it out, go ahead. You got it out for Romans 7, so you can get it out for this too. When you have found it, I want somebody to go ahead and read it out loud. Clearly. Loud voice with emphasis. Go ahead. Someone. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Look at your lesson. By the way, I don't think it was on purpose. Anybody see the problem? What's the problem? The end of that verse is not in your lesson. You see it? I think it's a misprint. I, I real honestly, I do. 100% believe it. They just simply missed it. Uh oh. What's the end of that verse say? 
spirit of Christ here is none of his. This is a somewhat controversial verse. I, I seem to be, I'm personally a bit mystified. And maybe it is, is, is it in your, it's in the leaflet? Is it in this book? Is it fully in this book? It's the teacher's books that don't have it. That's why you all were looking at me strange. It's the teacher's, you, were you looking in the teacher's book, Brother Stefano? It's missing in the teacher's book. I was, I was studying this lesson and I got there and went, this isn't right. This is missing something. And, and in the commentary, it actually talks about it, so I don't think it was on purpose. I think it was a misprint. So it is in both the leaflet and the book. All right, good. So you all have it. I don't. Very interesting. This is another somewhat controversial verse, although I don't personally understand the controversy, because the Apostle Paul, I think, makes it abundantly clear, if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of Christ's. Period. By the way, I'm going to read to you from a commentary on this, and this happens to be John Wesley who's speaking. He says, in the Spirit, meaning under his government, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he says, dwelling and governing in him, he is none of his. He's not a member of Christ, not a Christian, not in a state of salvation, a plain express declaration which admits of no exception. He that hath an ear, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. The controversy within the holiness movement has been this, and I'm just laying this out. When you are sanctified, do you receive the Spirit or not? We're talking entire sanctification. I think this verse makes it clear that even if you're saved, you will have the Spirit, and if you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. By the way, why does the Apostle Paul state this? If you didn't realize it, the work of salvation is done by whom? It's through Jesus Christ, but who is doing the work within us? It is the Holy Spirit. By the way, Ephesians, um, it is Ephesians chapter, let me find it. Um, and I did look this up, and I don't know if I wrote it down. Did I write it down? I think it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, if, if my mind is serving me correctly, because I'm not finding it in my lesson, that the Apostle Paul also states that it is the work of the Spirit in us, working salvation in us. So I, I'm simply pointing this out, and I believe this is probably a conflict, honestly, I don't know that it needs to be. The work of entire sanctification is also the work of the Spirit. Both works of grace, the work of salvation and the work of entire sanctification, are both by faith. They are both 
through the merits of Jesus Christ, not through us. I believe the work of entire sanctification to be that of heart purity within the believer. Um, I believe it to be the fullness of the Spirit. So my question to you would be this, is it possible to have the Spirit within us, but not His fullness? I think it's possible. I believe according to Scripture it's possible. I could be wrong, but I, I, think, I don't think I am. Um, I didn't hear again. I, I look at you and willingly say, I don't, I'm not telling you I have all the answers or know everything about this. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, because there's significant discussion theologically on these issues. Maybe some of you don't even know that. But if, if you're aware of theological banter back and forth, there's a lot of it here. Um, here again, I'm going to come to the side of, if we are saved, is the Spirit with us, and should we be walking in the Spirit? The answer is yes. On the opposite side, if we are entirely sanctified, is the Spirit in us? I believe so, yes, but He's dwelling in His fullness should we walk in the Spirit as a sanctified individual? And the answer is yes. And if I'm to be frank, I don't think I can come down on one side or the other, and I, and I hope you can't, and say that the saved individual doesn't walk with the Spirit. Wow. I think they walk with the Spirit, or they should. Okay? So, whew, wow, isn't this exciting? If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Here again, we have this contrast of living a Christian life according to the law or according to Jesus Christ living in me, walking with the Spirit of God. And I love this because Romans chapter 8, verse 11 is beautiful. The power of of the resurrection. And this isn't the only time the Apostle Paul does this in his letters, because in Philippians he talks about the power of the resurrection working in and through us. This is beautiful. And here again we're contrasting the power of the law in chapter 7. Remember this. I can't keep the law. Okay? If I try to work out my salvation by keeping the law, I'm going to fail and I'm not going to have victory. But look at verse 11. And I, and I think honestly this is a part of, <laughs> I, I, it's hard to find a key verse in here, but if I were to find one, I honestly I think this has to be it. 
If the spirit of him that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. How do you have victory? It is through the power of the resurrected Christ living in us, working through us, and walking with us. And ladies and gentlemen, that's beautiful. What a beautiful picture. Wow. If you're not experiencing victory, I would look at you and honestly... I don't think I would sum this up to a saved or sanctified experience. I'd looked at you and say, are you living through the power of the resurrected Christ? That is where victory is found. The power of victorious living. We're just entering upon this point three. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. By the way, this is an interesting word, mortify. Mort, it comes from muerto in Spanish. Mortir, it actually comes from the Latin, and this is, this is a word that means what? To put to death. Death. The slaying. We must slay the works of the carnal flesh. I believe this is where the Apostle Paul and I agree that we can begin to enter for sure into the work of entire sanctification. The killing of the deeds of the flesh. The killing of the carnal nature. By the way, that's not preaching you hear a whole lot of these days, is it? You used to hear it a lot. Not a whole lot anymore. And I'm not pointing a finger at Brother Spangler, Brother Brother. Brenneyes are here at our church. That's what I'm, I'm just saying in general. Camp meetings and things like that. It's not something that you hear a lot. However, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, if you walk here again, the Apostle Paul's reiterating, if we walk according to the flesh, you're not going to have victory. Victory is found by walking after the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're entering into this last section. I don't have a whole lot of time, and I wish I had a little more, but, but I'm just going to hopefully sum this up, because we're entering into assurance of salvation. How do we know that we are saved? And I think if we knew the amount of people sitting within our circles who were unsure, it would surprise us. I've had a lot of people talk to me on this subject. And my question to them is this. First question. 
Do you feel like God is, the Spirit of God is leading you in your life? And very, very often, I've, I very rarely have had them tell me no. They'll look at me and say, yeah. What did we just read? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Wow. And he continues on on this theme in this last verse, in these last couple verses, two verses. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And I'm going to sum this up by saying, the witness of the Spirit, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're his child. John Wesley had a, had, a, had a way of putting it this way. He said, the Spirit bears witness that we're His, and the fruits show that we are His. And when those two things begin to combine, the assurance of salvation should be abundantly clear. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that's beautiful. We have the privilege to come to God as his adopted child. And I don't know if you're seeing the implications here, but being joint heirs with Christ. Whew, this is huge. Can't get into all the details of this, but this is a big deal, folks. The privileges of being a Christian. The privileges of walking with God. Being able to call him Daddy. I need something. Daddy, I'm coming to you. Wow. I'm going to end by saying this. It's a privilege to walk in the Spirit and live victoriously now. Don't live under your privileges. Live in victory every day walking in the Spirit, live within your privileges, calling on God, Abba, Father. What a wonderful privilege it is to be a Christian and to be a child of God this morning.